I don't have the... Oh, uh, do you have any questions before we begin, Sarah? Um, I think Shane just told me there's, like, some segments. Uh, yeah. I guess he told me there's two. Is there more than two? He told me one that's, like, scenes that make you go, hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big and one then, today. That's the big one. And then the sexiest scene. Yeah, but I don't think I don't that one applies today. <laughs> well, I, I mean, mean we'll certainly, I think. <laughs> uh, we I'm could so- definitely fit it in. I'm certainly not mentioning that Rose McGowan looked pretty cute in this movie. I'm just going to let that one just peak just Rose go. McGowan. Yeah. I was going to say when he kisses the real monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'll just get out ahead of, ahead of everything. When that that's the only time I really laughed in the movie was when that orangutan smiled and put his tongue out. <laughs> and I laughed really hard and then I immediately had the thought, Am I a dumb person? <laughs> Am I just not that no. intelligent? I think I think I think if you're realizing you're a dumb person, uh, we might as well save that for the podcast. Well, I mean it's really, <laughs> I feel that like... was just the opening, but I was yeah. just like, ah, that that makes me laugh every I mean I rewound it to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's what brings droves to the zoo every single year to see that same exact bit carried out live. Because I also rewound it because I was like, does that orangutan have grills on? He had very no. yellow teeth. And I was very, yeah. I thought he had like grills. Just smokes. Just, yeah. <laughs> it is remarkable it how much mileage uh, people have gotten out of orangutans doing like the same three things. <laughs> like, it's always it, it, it was. It's always. <laughs> Yeah, their yeah. lips going over, <laughs> and, the, and the spit, the spit. I don't know how they yeah. do that. Yeah. They're always like, right. it's like a fountain. I guess also, they also do the waving. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. I'm not sure if it qualifies as animal abuse, but it's certainly not 100 percent kosher to Absolutely. kiss the monkey. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's not great, but. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the time is coming for Marine World, Ac- Africa, USA, Sea World, just all all places where they force dolphins and they force sea lions to interact with like very very gross park attendees. They don't want to kiss anybody. They want to stay within their own species. I've always yeah. said that. Yeah, I wonder if that's a red flag when like they hire a new like trainer at Sea World and he's like, yeah yeah yeah. So uh, when when are we gonna kiss the dolphins? <laughs> No, we swim. We feed them the fish. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm the boom, best, boom, the boom. best trainer in the biz. But uh, yeah, but, but when which we one's, which one's the easiest? Yeah. And also, will we play? Let's get it on. Yeah, yeah exactly. I kiss the dolphins. <laughs> I ever for the two like those two scenes. This that scene, and then the the quote unquote sex scene between him and Julie. They just chose like the first music when you're like googling romantic yeah. music. I think they were all done with this movie at that point. Like editing wise, like fuck, who cares? Just yeah, let's just pay the royalty fees. Let's just pay the pay the clearance. What did you listen on the way the drive over? Yeah, that, no, that's a great song. Let's just plug it in. That uh, that really is the mark of a bad editor, where they can't just choose one like one stereotypical song for a love scene. They have to cut immediately to a second one in yeah. the same love scene. Like you couldn't you couldn't pace it out correctly. Uh, yeah, straight to Foxy. Let's just go. And then like what everyone wants to see. Uh, Brendan Fraser hanging off the bars for uh, an extended period of time and then just like shoving, shoving his junk in sweatpants into the camera, just like a Dutch <laughs> angle of just thrust, downward thrusting. 
uh, that specific angle, I was wondering if he if he was rethinking everything at that point. That I think was... everybody was. I'm telling you, this yeah. this movie definitely had a vibe of like of of like when you just know something's not working. When you're mm-hmm. just like, this is not we're not this is not hap- this is not happening the way I thought it was gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did some look. I mean, is this the podcast? I guess. Now? I guess. Yeah. I guess we, so. We usually do it. I guess but this is we should drop the theme. Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies. That's right, Justin. We are just three misbehaving monkeys who like to watch movies from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 2001's natural disaster, Monkey Bone. Tough year. Tough year, 2001. A lot of of disasters. Monkey Bone. This is right up there. I'll tell you what's not a disaster. Having on the pod with us, we are so fortunate to have illustrator, drawer, personality, content creator, (laughs) uh, Hallmark Christmas movie aficionado, Sarah Rubin. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do like Hallmark Christmas movies a lot. Probably the most that a Jewish person likes <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> what, what's your top one? Um, hmm. That's really a tough question oh. because so many of them are yeah. interchangeable. It's like, <laughs> it's also, the same. Which, which one do you like? Do you like The Princess Switch? Do you like Christmas <laughs> with the Princess? My Very Princess Christmas? Uh, is there, is, uh, I. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say it's hard to like differentiate them because when you watch them, you only watch them in streams of like watching four at a time. (laughs) So it's not like I just throw one on and I'm Mm. like, let me check it out. I like the ones where it's like uh, a little bit weird or there's like some sort of twist of like a man being Santa or a ghost at the end. That's (laughs) always fun. Uh, Because a lot of times, like, some of the biggest twists, the most shocking twists I've seen are in these Christmas movies because (laughs) you're just expecting it to be, like, a normal rom-com. And at the end, they'll be like, the grandma was a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Is this part of Christmas? (laughs) Well, there's a lot of good movies out there, which is why we can wax poetic on all of them. But we are here today to talk about monkey bone sarah what is your particular experience with this film and what led you to choosing it okay so i was super super like as a child and as an adult super informed by like tim burton stop motion henry selick 
labyrinth, you know, all these kinds of things that like, quote unquote, weird children like. Uh, (laughs) And so I remember seeing a trailer or a commercial for Monkey Bone and being like, wow, this looks great. Like, I don't think I knew who Henry Selleck was at the time, but I think I just was like, wow, there's stop motion. It looks freaking freaky. I'm a little freak. I'd love to see this film. Uh, So I asked my mom to take me and my friend to go see it. Um, cause my, my, I, like I was raised like in a family where it was just like, we, everybody liked weird. My mom's like super into sci-fi and things like that. So it wasn't like weird for us to go see like a kind of freaky movie. Um, and I don't know how, I can't recall how far we got into the movie before my mom just like grabbed me and my friend and made us leave. <laughs> um, I, in rewatching the movie, I, I don't think it was during the first animated opening, but I'm shocked that it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you that you was told really me risky. You told me ahead of time that like part of the reason was because you went uh you you weren't really allowed to see inappropriate things as a child. And so like you went with your mom and she's like absolutely not. And so I was watching this movie for the first time in decades think like thinking about little Sarah and specifically like what what was the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> for your mom? And I was yeah. like I don't know, maybe maybe it was uh maybe it was when the monkey took off his ears and then inflated them to be boobs and then like did a sexy dance i think that it might have been that part actually because i definitely saw some of the stop motion uh i remember that but i had re i rewatched the movie after that i think eventually and i saw the whole thing um but it's been many years since i watched it and i got i got thoughts <laughs> about it it took me four days to finish this movie like just stopping and starting because I was just like I can't do it I cannot it it just kept making me mad I think that's actually a direct quote from the editor yeah Yeah. four days I cannot I Um, yeah go ahead please I was just gonna say it has a really interesting history because it is based on a graphic novel that it's called Dark Town um, and I tried to find it you can't find it. You cannot, you, there's only like three images of it online. You can't find it. And it sounds like the original vision was a lot closer to that book. Mm-hmm. And then I think through studio intervention, it became um, whatever, it, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Intervened. Yeah. Dark, Dark Town, uh, the reason it's so tough to find is because it's from 1995. Uh, it was originally going to be a full, uh, full series, like a 20-parter. Uh, but it was just this guy uh, named Kaja Blackley uh, and a uh, artist at the time, uh, Vanessa Chong, just sent him uh, her portfolio. And he was like, this is great. It's like cubist. It's weird. Uh, I've been waiting to work with someone. And uh, at, at the time in the 90s, I think it was going it was basically like Marvel. It was DC. And then it was a bunch of fledgling uh, type uh, distributors or not distributors, uh, uh, press houses, publishers, and publishers. So uh, Kaja started Mad Monkey Press. Um, uh, this is interesting for later because Dark Town does not include a monkey of any sort. A monkey does not make an appearance besides the name of the press. Um, and it was it was like a weird book. It was very dark. It was very sad. It's uh, it's a love story about how true love is letting go. It's just about uh, a, a wife having to decide 
to pull the plug on her husband uh, who is in a coma and uh, she realizes she has 12 hours to do it before like uh, brain damage starts to happen and uh, she finds out she's pregnant. She's wrestling with it while like uh, this guy is like trapped. Uh, he looks like a puppet. It's it's actually it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense that he was so drawn to it just because it has sort of a nightmare before Christmas type aesthetic. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, she finds out she's pregnant, and the way that he he like still goes to the diner. He finds the ticket out of here. And, uh, when he goes back into the real world, it's not, uh, it's not him. It's him merging with the essence of his child that he's passing into the world. She, it like, it ends with the birth canal, uh, as the, the full story arc. Uh, so yeah, not, not exactly uh, Marilyn Monroe monkey with a boner. Uh, that sounds beautiful, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious if there's like, because like this and like the mask and like other sort of 90s things like Cool World, like all have the similar aesthetic. I want to mm-hmm. know if there's like a name for it or like any kind of like study of it, because it's watching this movie, especially it's so stark and so strange. Like none of these aesthetics have have gone past where they are like yeah. they stopped at 2001 right. and everything after that was like we're not using that anymore mm-hmm. yeah i kept thinking like this movie was a giant fucking big bag voodoo daddy video <laughs> 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 like that was the pitch they were like you like big bag voodoo daddy let's make a full-length music video like that's basically <laughs> what it is and they were like, well, we obviously we love Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, uh, but we can't get them. We'll get the squirrel nut zippers yeah, uh, singing exactly. hell instead. <laughs> Which is like, th- I, I was surprised like this was 2001 because this is, seems very 90s. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. that's not that far removed. But yeah, with like that band and this aesthetic, it just mm-hmm. felt like uh, this would have been like 96 or 97, something like that around then. Well, it sounded like it was like a lot of it. The look was based off that artist Mark Ryden. Did you guys see that? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like an illustrator, painter, and this stuff's really cool. And you can kind of see it, but again, it's that very '90s aesthetic. There's like a very weird. I think he did the the drawing, like the black and white drawing yes. that you can see yeah. in his in his mm-hmm. apartment. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I I love like honestly for me, I still think the visuals are so valuable and mm-hmm. so incredible in this movie, which is why it's like so sad that it's like a piece of shit mm-hmm. yeah. because it's the visuals are amazing. Like the the bull man who looks like like the Picasso painting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like even the special effects where there's like the um like the chanteuse with the the snakes on her head that's like stop motion like uh composited on to her head like it's so impressive yeah and it's just oh it's so disappointing there, there's this a really... lot of uh, i'm sorry but yeah there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie but it's also it's it's bucking up against uh what just seems like even before they started shooting they were like this isn't gonna work like mm-hmm. the, the the very first moment when you see um dark town i laughed so hard because I was like, they're not even attempting to hide that this is just a soundstage. Like you can yeah. see the like the walls of the the, st- the stage, and it felt like um, like uh, like one of those like, hey, come see the world of cars. You know, like when you go to like an amusement park and you just kind of mm-hmm. walk through that world. Like it was, it's very weird. 
but there are inside of that, like Sarah said, like cool design stuff, cool ideas, like the the big like whatever egg eye yeah. thing. That's pretty cool. But but it just seems like half the crew was like, <laughs> what when are we going to be uh, on uh, the next Batman and Robin or whatever? Well, it's just like the story isn't doesn't ever really take off, and it's kind of unpleasant. And the acting is not great. <laughs> like, my favorite actor in the whole thing is fucking Chris Kattan. I was going to say, that is the funniest thing to me, that Chris Kattan gets the emotional high point of yes. the movie. And he fucking nails it. He nails it. it. He's great. He nails yeah. it. Great. I was like, I felt bad for Brendan. I was like, Brendan's got to act like a dumbass this whole movie. He doesn't even get the freaking Oscar winning moment. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's go to Chris Kattan in a second, because Kevin, will you drop, uh, this is my biggest... Overall scenes that make me go. Mm. Scenes that make you go. Scenes that make you go. Scenes that make you go. So I know I've seen this movie. I think I saw it in the theaters in 2001. Haven't seen it since. Hadn't thought about it until this week. So I sat down to watch it, and I'm just going to go through my notes. Because I thought I was having a real Mandela Berenstein Bears moment. <laughs> let me let me know if you want any uh, fresh drops in between yeah. uh, your different thoughts. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah. All right. Minute minute thirty. Chris Kattan's in this movie, right? Minute forty. I'm pretty sure Chris Kattan shows up at some point. <laughs> minute fifty. Where is Chris Kattan? Yeah. Minute 55, asterisk. Checks IMDb. Yeah, Chris Kattan is in this movie. <laughs> Minute 59. If he doesn't show up soon, uh, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And he finally I'm worried. showed up what happened to Chris? into this movie. That is yeah. insane. He's on he, the poster. He's on the poster. He, he's the second build. He's the second build. He's just like, where is he in this movie? There's two humans and the titular monkey on the poster, and that's all there is. Yeah. Like, I thought he was Monkey Bone. Yeah. yeah. That's, not, that's, not that's what I thought, too. Yeah. And you know why? Because of Mr. Peepers. Yeah. We, uh, he yes. is synonymous with a little monkey boy in yeah. our heads. Yes. So the whole that's time Mandela I thought, um, and this leads to a bigger question I'll ask in a second. Why weren't the roles switched? Why isn't Chris Gatan the animator, the like depressed, weird animator who then goes to the underworld and then has to become monkey bone? Like that seems tailor made for his talents and definitely not tailor made for whatever br- talents Brendan Fraser may or may not possess. Um, it's, it's definitely, I think it's heightest is what I think it is. Is Chris Gatan <laughs> is not as tall as Brendan Fraser, right. so he can't be a romantic lead. Interesting. It's true. But it's almost I think not also- even like. There's also, no we're, in this. we're we're definitely neglecting the fact that Brendan Fraser uh, was at at his peak uh, mm-hmm. coming off of the 90s. He really was a leading man. Uh, and this is before even or no, it's uh, in between the mummy and mummy returns. And so uh, actually, the reason that this movie is so bad Sarah, Sarah, you talked about growing up falling in love with uh, Henry Selleck uh, just with like. Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh, he he just has a storied career as an animator. He like went to Cal Arts and like won some student film competitions. He went to work for Disney. He was actually an animator on uh, three of my favorite Disney movies. 
where is it? Uh, the Great Mouse Detective, Excellent Black film. Cauldron, and Fox and the Hound. He actually did the storyboards for Return to Oz. Uh, but then, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he he fell in love with this book. He made entire sets of it. This is like a master animator that like you just give the reins to. He is uh, he is a master. Why wouldn't he's he's a creative genius? Uh, he can build this world. And the producers told him that uh, if we're paying top dollar for Brendan Fraser, uh, we're gonna see Brendan Fraser's face on it. So like that seventy five million dollar budget which I think had an opening of like 2.9 big, big money loss, big, big loss uh, was very much just because uh, if they're paying full price for the star, they might as well like show him as much as possible. Yeah. I read a bit about it and that he like really regretted staying on. And like, you can actually see there's like one image online of his original concept, which is Uh very much more straightforward and like an entirely stop motion film. Something I'd love to say is the most 90s mark of this movie is that there is a celebrity cartoonist. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a thing anymore of like a hot shot. I'm a cartoonist and I'm famous. (laughs) That was the other thing that bothered me about the movie, too, is like it starts with like it starts in the middle of him being successful, you know, Mm -hmm. but what he's successful for as an audience, you should be like, oh, I get that's why you're successful. But it all looks like shit. Like, that little cartoon at the beginning isn't funny and looks like shit. Like, but just the character of Monkey Bone is never funny. And so I'm like, I don't understand why why you're famous. Like, don't ever show me why you're famous. Just tell us you're yeah. famous and never show us. Because otherwise, I was about to pull my fucking eyes out. <laughs> I think it's tough because, like, you do need to you need a show that it is just like a shitty little uh, shitty little cartoon, and like to to pay off uh, how awful of a character Monkey Bone is, we need to see him in context. So you're like, oh yeah, this guy is uh, this this monkey is uh, the primitive uh, sexual. Uh, fervor that's inside of the animator that like it's the only way that he can get out but it's funny that the the romance of it is uh is based in the fact that he couldn't sleep he went to the sleep institute he had all these nightmares and she saved him by switching his drawing hand uh and made him go from just like a beautiful surreal painter uh to just like a little shit cartoon maker (laughs) like it's like she didn't save his life. She turned into him into a much <laughs> a a, like a, a hack artist who like who now that he's making hack art, he's like, no, it's all about the art. Like, I, I'm not going to commercialize myself. I'm not going to like make lunch boxes. Well, they also like talk a, a, like slight shade, like on the South Park guys. There's like a line about like the South Park guys. Like, mm. and I was like, oh, this, so this movie is made by people who think South Park is stupid but are trying to make a South Park style movie and don't, don't, don't get the same, you know, don't understand that humor. So that yeah, was frustrating too. It's also so bizarre to see like in any era, a room of adults like clapping before a cartoon short. And then the cartoon <laughs> short is just like, he has a boner. Like it's not even <laughs> making any sort of <laughs> Like, it's not clear at all. Like, if they were like, oh, kids like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be something. But, like, the There's adults. There's no children. 
Yeah, this is like also, the upper echelon. They're like, this is amazing. Yeah. They should have cut to a couple of the critics just like stroking their beards and just going like, wow, yeah, I also had a boner in grade school. <laughs> and then in that case, who were the toys for? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, None of this makes sense. Nope. It makes me think, though, but did because somebody said uh, Henry Selick, who's, a, who's great, but, you know, he regretted staying on this. But I wonder if he at the time was like, Okay, I made Nightmare Before Christmas, and then Tim Burton stepped in and was like, it's mine. <laughs> like, just say it's me. You know, like, his name's all over it. Most people think that Tim Burton directed it, and that's not true. Then he went and made James and the Giant Peach, which is re- really good. So good. But, but Disney buried his name in that, too, and they're like, that's us. That's everything. You know what I mean? So I think maybe he was like, oh, this will be my thing. And it just really shows, like, you can be a great artist, but once you step into the arena of these big corporations... Good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah. Buff. Yeah. And that he followed also, him, like, even to Coraline. Like, yeah, which is I a, hear so many people who think, yeah, like, I think from my perspective, like, James the Giant Peach and Coraline are probably mm-hmm. his two best. Mm-hmm. But it's just crazy how many people think that's, like, a Tim Burton film. Yeah. yeah that's followed him for sure. So, uh, Rose McGowan, uh, a bit ago on Instagram, basically came to his defense and she wrote, Uh, The movie would have been incredible, at least the underworld part, if the men at 20th Century Fox, the suits, hadn't fired the director, a true artist, halfway through the filming. It was a profoundly stupid move. Uh, uh, Which is just very funny because, like, I know that there was... I know that there were like deleted scenes of Rose McGowan, but the only thing that made the cut was just like her going like, Hey, you're a good guy at the bar. And then his monkey boner jumps down her blouse. And then she like saves him uh, by literally murdering the guard, just like viciously attacking. And she's like, yeah, uh, at least the underworld part that that's a masterpiece because because I was in a sexy little cat cat outfit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely take, like, everything she says with, like, uh, just massive grains of salt. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I I would love to see the movie that uh, Henry Selleck wanted to make, but there's some cool stuff in this one. There's some cool stuff, like, when he come, when he first goes into the coma and his, like, body goes down the sheets. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that. That part was awesome. Like, that stuff was, like, sick as hell. Yeah, and I thought all the black and white stuff looked really cool. I just thought that, I was like, this feels like a short film I mean, when this separately. Dog gets balls cut off? Yeah, <laughs> that they just shoved these short film segments into this yeah. mainstream Hollywood movie. I was did like, you guys did you guys look at Henry Selleck's uh, original shorts that he did for MTV? Mm-hmm. He sort of this is this is how he he ended up getting to uh, to make a little bit more. Uh, it, it was something like the it was like Slow Bob and the the Underworld or something yeah. like it. It wasn't Underworld, but it was it was some sort of Slow Bob thing. And it is it's just a lot of nonsense. And just really fabulous ideas just crammed together. There's just like these conjoined twins who are a little bit like uh, a little bit cubist looking and they wake up and then uh, Slow Bob 
they're they're like peering through a keyhole and then slow Bob's sleeping there, but then an alarm goes off. And mm-hmm. so these four iguanas like surround him and like they they spray him with light and he that makes him like transport into a 2D world where he has to like save all these like little uh the uh, like pictures of people from these flying scissors. And it's just like it it's a guy who has so many i so many fresh original ideas yeah. and uh in that case like i have no idea if he corralled them correctly because i couldn't make heads or tails no. of it but it's it's crazy and i'll definitely um show my age here but i really do feel somewhat sad for like young people or like mtv at one point was so cool and they just put like weird stuff on there like mike judge stuff and uh, all sorts of like weird, con- like remember they used to have like Dennis Leary rants, you know, like way back in the days, like the early nineties. And now I don't even know why they call it MTV. Just call it ridiculousness. The the channel. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting to me to think about because like now, I mean, in movies, at least I feel like aesthetic is pretty much, <clears throat> it's pretty by the books. Like mm-hmm. no one is really doing like a monkey bone style mm-hmm. movie. And it's a bummer because I feel like if people, like if this movie didn't have such, you know, um, producer like in pretty you know involvement and things it probably maybe the aesthetic like would have gone further and like maybe people would respect it and stuff so it's just really sad for me like personally like seeing now like how aesthetic or like even like slightly weird looking movies like they don't Mm -hmm. really exist anymore right uh and that's like the hugest bummer to me about like henry selick stuff it doesn't exist anymore on also because this is all practical. There's so much practical yes. stuff. And I, I feel like all the cool people are like, no, practical stuff's better. Like, why aren't we leading the charge? Like, everything's just a green screen now. And like, well, did you see how, like, uh, was it Kevin Feige from Marvel, like, got a bunch of shit because he, like, saw some footage from that new Immortals movie, but, mm-hmm. you know, big Marvel, but that Chloe Zhao, who just won the best director mm-hmm. at the Oscars, directed. And she, I guess, insisted on doing a lot of, like, actual location practical things and I, t- I guess he was at a screening and was like holy shit like who made this <laughs> yeah but like, I guess he was other, like he was telling other people like no that's real like that's not a green screen like she actually went on location and everyone's like yeah great yeah and people that's, are giving him shit and yeah that's like, how they yeah, did it for 80 straight years yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah who knew that the world was so beautiful and had so many locations It's just more expensive to do practical, and Mm -hmm. it's just like I think to some extent probably not as safe as like doing CG. Expensive though, because every time I see a Marvel movie or anything, I'm always like, "All right, like how?" At the end, you know, they do the credits, and there's like Mm -hmm. a hundred animators, and I'm like, "Is it more expensive to hire a hundred animators than it is to just fly to fucking Iceland and go shoot a fucking mountain?" You know, like. I don't know, but I, I've always imagined that's the reason why they do it. But I maybe there's other reasons as well, like just you could do more consistency or more editing well, with those, the, like because change the, things. Because the reason is, by, by the way, Sarah, what did you mean by more safe to do? Like, they're, like literally more safe, like building sets oh, instead is of, not yeah, safe. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> no, the reason I think that's the, the case, Justin, is again, because it's all done years in advance. Like... Remember, I, I I read you that or told you about that article about who I can't remember, but some action director met with Marvel and he turned him down because he was like, I wouldn't even have been, I had no say in the action scenes because they're already done. 
Like yeah. I just go up, I just show up and make and walk people through green screen stuff. So all these movies are already, that's why they can announce them. They're like, yeah, in 2025, 20, you're going to have Hulk versus Captain America because they're already building that fight. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a problem with that Avengers Endgame too because like people are like, why isn't like Captain Marvel in this more? Like she could have just come in and solved it and like she's kind of shoehorned in in like two scenes beginning and the end. And like the Russo brothers were like, when we were making Endgame, uh, Captain Marvel hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. And they wanted, so they were like, we don't know what should, like that movie's going to be. And so we think like, I was like, that's crazy. Like, But they're good. But they're, but they're good. They're good. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you like, good. if you like, yeah. if you like comic book movies, you like comic book movies. But I do, I do think that you do lose that personal thing, like you would get if Henry Selleck got to make more movies, or if you got whoever else does, you know, practical. Let, kind of let stuff. Henry Selleck make a Marvel movie. I'd love to see it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he can survive in that. He just doesn't seem like no, to be good in the can. in the in the big corporate system. Yeah, yeah. No. He he crumbled under monkey bones. So what would happen? If the MCU got he old. He could of not. Him. Yeah. Or let him make let him make Howard the Duck or something like you know Some, oh, something yeah, weird. That, something. Yeah, yeah. That's what everyone's cl- clamoring for. Uh, of the comic book movies, we need Howard the Duck. But it was a good comic book. Again, dark, very sarcastic, very funny. Yeah. Like it's very unique that could be a good property Even not, that, original, not the movie the movie's terrible well the movie's yeah. terrible but it's also kind of dark like it's a kind of yeah. a dark movie like if you go back oh, you, and got, watch you it. got some duck boobies yeah you do get That's duck true. boobies yeah. <laughs> Did i was I... thinking about duck man do you guys remember duck man oh duck yeah man. <laughs> loved another great little channel for a while upn right UPN? yeah upn yes. did i ever tell you guys that i went uh i was on a trip uh with a couple people to play tennis in england and wow. we, uh, yeah, big brag. I think we have a drop for this, don't we? Uh, do we? Yeah, I think we do. I'm sucking my own dick. <laughs> Is that the one you were talking about? <laughs> That's the one, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're trying to build more drops. Uh, yeah. What is that? What is that one? Uh, <laughs> Quote it, it. It's. It's. It's from. Uh, it's. I don't even know. It, it was like some. Some weird me type game where uh you could program your character to sing and so like there's this video that i saw on twitter a while ago that's just like this little egg-shaped man just singing that to a room of dancing people (laughs) and it gets stuck in my head even though it's a single uh a single Mm -hmm. phrase um so so i went to england and we uh ended up playing against these british people uh but then we stayed with them later that night and we were like, what are, what are we going to do? Let's rent a movie. And I was, we went to, we went to the English version of blockbuster, which could very well have been blockbuster. And, uh, and I was just like, Oh, Howard, the duck guys, this movie rules. I saw it a long time ago. (laughs) And like, I went to bat for it. Like this was, so this was an American coming to England and just being like, you guys, if you want to know what real cinema is, you got to check out Howard the Duck. And we watched it to just silence and confusion. <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. I, I let my country down. I never mm-hmm. thought I would, but I really did. Sorry, America. Mm-hmm. Did I you win the, tur- the tennis tournament at least? No, they're really good at tennis in England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you know that. 
Like, it, They've got a really good system. Duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had another thought about the film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, please. And this might be my scene that makes you go, hmm. Scenes make you go, huh. Uh, is the uh, concept of nightmare juice. Uh, oh, <laughs> that yeah. That is just casually dropped into the film. And then... Uh, sort of climaxes with Monkey Bone, Brendan Fraser, filling a bunch of dolls with nightmare juice, mm-hmm. assuming people will point the monkey doll's ass into their face <laughs> when they make it fart, and it will go all over their face and make them have nightmares. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stages there. Uh, obviously, they were in production with Monkey Bone, and obviously, Monkey Bone farts. Uh, but it is it is odd uh, to make a product where you just spray noxious gas, uh, whatever it may be, even if it's harmless. And then uh, Brendan Fraser just going, "Hey, I can put whatever in here, right?" And they're like, "We don't care." <laughs> like we we made these toys, but uh, no skin off our back. Uh, go to the lab, have fun. <laughs> it's also funny that this movie comes out the same year Monsters Inc. comes out, uh-huh. which is also about like exploiting nightmares, essentially. Yeah. Also, all of these concepts are like explained in like a second, so it's yes. like very difficult <laughs> yeah. to like connect your brain to like each thing as it's happening. Where like I didn't realize she worked at the Sleep Institute. I don't know why she had nightmare juice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't also clear that like Hypnos wanted Monkey Bone right. to get nightmares from people. Like all of that sort of like storytelling is very strange. And even in general, the structure of this movie, where I feel like it's set up to be like, oh, the whole movie is him and Monkey bone on an adventure trying to get the exit pass no they get the exit pass in the first like 40 minutes of the movie yeah and then the rest of it is just like an onslaught of insanity that felt like what kevin said more brendan fraser let's just yeah. get let's just make you know get him dangling from the ceiling put him in some sweatpants like have him sing a song america just yes. needs more Brendan. that fucking song and dance is he Woof. He seems like a very nice guy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, seems I, very sweet. I've heard uh, him the best. Yeah. The Cable Boys will go on record saying Brendan Fraser is a sweetie. Seems I'd love to have him on the show, even after I say this. He's Don't a- listen, Brendan. Don't listen. He's about to ruin everything. <laughs> Put your head. Yeah. He is Air Muss, Air Muss, Brendan. a terrible actor. Oh and no. no, he is terrible. No, leave him terrible. alone. In this. Leave him alone. I think in everything. I I think of him as somebody who's like you have I mean, God bless him too. But he has had a long career and what what like what is good? Mummy. The mummy is good. The mummy is great. Uh he was incredible in airheads. Uh mm-hmm. that was a that's seminal like his first film movie, for right? me. One of his first I mean, like his early stuff is great. Uh, like Encino yeah, Man, the past is Encino great. Man. I do like that one. Yeah, Plus from the Past is great. He he's very Encino he's very. Man. That's what I just said. You guys are fuck. He's very from the he's past very. Is great. It's oh, great. I don't know about that, but he he's very <laughs> he's very great. He's very great at being bewildered by a new world. And so, like in the beginning of Monkey Bone, where he's just like, "What the fuck is going on? Where where am I?" He's great. It's when Monkey Bone takes over. I think Monkey Bone is the bad actor uh, because mm-hmm. once Monkey Bone inhabits him, then he just becomes a cartoon character, and that's not his strength. 
It's also, he doesn't become Monkey Bone. Like, it doesn't match the Monkey Bone cartoon at all. No. Yeah, and again, you just have Chris Kattan somewhere in this Sitting movie. There, yeah. like, I can do can this. I come in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's because like, Monkey Bone is John Turturro, famous comic actor John Turturro. Uh-huh. I thought it was um, uh, God, what's that guy's name? He sounds exactly like him as, he as, like as John Monkey Leguizamo. Bone. There's a little John Leguizamo. Um, uh, no, the other the jo- Johnny Pants. What's that guy's name? John, he's in Major, Joe, the Matrix oh, movie. Yeah, Joe that Pantoliano. guy. Joey Pants. Yeah, I thought he was yeah, playing. A, I thought that was who. No, it was. it's John Totoro with like the fucking. It's like sped adjuster. up. Yeah, sped up. But the thing is, like all like I think now, especially with like animated stuff, the way they do it is like, yeah, let's let's read what we wrote, but then like kind of like go off, like kind of ad lib. And John Turturro never ad-libbed. He was like, no, this is good. What's this first pass? <laughs> I'll just do these lines. Not putting any extra effort into no, any of this. No, nothing into it. I feel so like I you, one... Like you give this to John Leguizamo, and he's going to come up with like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's like, great. He's great. <clears throat> it would have been, no. been so much filthier. If Leguizamo uh, just said, uh, if they told him, hey, you're a dirty monkey, go. This like would have been uh, 10 times more raunchy. Whereas like this is just like it's cutesy raunchy. It's yeah, this is this this is like a period in Hollywood where they were like, we're just we're going to make the movie no no matter what. Let's just get the best cast we can. And it's like, all right. Did you hear back from Jim Carrey? No, it's a no. Okay, what about Chris Farley? No, he doesn't want to do it. Mike Myers? No. Robin Williams, ah, all right, uh, and like you just go down this list. Until Whoopi you get, said yes. Yeah, Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi said yes. Yeah. After Tyrannosaurus Rex or whatever that cop dinosaur movie was, she oh, was yeah. in her. She was in her. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that phase. What's funny is like Thomas Hayden Church is the only one who was smart enough to be like, uh, "Can you take my name off of this?" Yeah, like, I I noticed one. I noticed uh, that in watching this. Our podcast has made me aware of so many more actors who like just remain uncredited on their works. I didn't know you could do that until we started this podcast. Not only that, but people who are just like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I want to bring up Bridget Fonda, who I was reminded. I was like, oh, yeah, I love you. You're great. You're such a charismatic, fun. Like, I just love watching her. And I was like, where has she been? And I looked her up on IMDb. She hasn't acted in 20 some years and then i did a little research there and i found an interesting thing i don't think it's a monkey bone curse oh no because Uh-oh. because one thing had already happened but um bridget fonda apparently was in a very bad car accident yeah i saw that and it might it might have to do with why she doesn't act anymore when around this time like 2000 oh, well. 2001 2002 and uh, there's a there's obviously a bad car accident in the uh, sure. beginning of this movie, and the second one was Chris Kattan plays a character who breaks his neck, and in real life, doing a sketch for SNL, Chris Kattan broke his neck. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. Chris uh, Kattan uh, is another one. I saw him at. Uh, because I like Chris Kattan. I always thought it was like, oh, he's like got a weird, cool energy. And I, I've always thought like, what happened to him? I mean, you had a moment, right, with the Night at the Roxbury. And I felt like people really liked him. And uh, I saw him uh, at a party, like a Hollywood party. And I kind of just watched him for, I'd say, 20 minutes. And he was with it. Uh, yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was with a date. 
And they both, uh, this, this, by the way, we're going to get the Cable Boys legal department. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly this happy. Yeah, allegedly. I need, I need that as a drop, allegedly. What age, what age, you can cut this out, but I just want to know, what age does she look like? Super young? No, uh, young, age? Younger, younger than him, but I, I would say appropriate. I mean, okay, okay. yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that uh, drastic. Allegedly appropriate. Yeah. Um, American appropriate. If we're talking overseas, it's a different ballgame. Um, uh, they were both allegedly, I'm just, everything's allegedly. We're not going to keep saying this. Uh, very intoxicated. <laughs> uh-huh. He was sort of sitting there like smoke, chain smoking cigarettes. And she was yelling at him. And then they stood up in the middle of this party and were just screaming at each other. Ooh. To where she, yeah, to where she she ran off, and then he sat back down, and it was like it was amazing timing in real life. He sat back down, and was just like, and a, another waiter came up and was like, "Do you want another drink?" And he was like, "Yeah." And the waiter went and brought him another drink, and I just in my head was like, "Oh, that's sort of what happened to Chris Kattan. Whatever is going on here, sort of contributed to uh, why we don't see him a lot." I'm sure he's financially secure. I'm not worried about him. Uh, I will. Yeah, I'd love to see a Chris Kattan comeback. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, again, Mr. Peepers, the people love him. I think that <laughs> all of his characters stand the test of time. The None of them. Mango, not offensive at all. Bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the mango. According, according to his biography. Gay Hitler. Uh, that was funny. Gay Hitler, Gay Hitler that was, was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> according according to his biography, he was uh, pressured by Lorne Michaels uh, to form a relationship with producer Amy Heckerling during A Night at the Roxbury. And then that severed his friendship ties with uh, Will Ferrell. And then him breaking his neck doing the sketch, he became addicted to painkillers. And oh, it's so over. it's over. While, Once you get while, him, yeah. He apparently, apparently he's doing a lot better now. He's Good. been doing like supporting roles on the middle. He's had like characters and various things. He's doing voice acting again. Um, but I did see the saddest thing that I've ever seen. So it's time for sad time with sad, sad boy. <laughs> I don't have a drop for it yet. We'll see if I make one this weekend. Uh, there's a new TLC series called Find Love Live, where you basically go on a Zoom date with three different people, and it is broadcast on TLC. Catan appeared during the first season's finale. Given the opportunity to chat with three, three women, he was looking for someone with a sense of humor, was unique, and could enjoy life. Uh, but the fans watching didn't think he had any chemistry with them. Mm. And so he couldn't get a date on a dating show. Yeah. I watched that. The third one was the girl from that party. She just, she just (laughs) gets in connecting audio and she just immediately was yelling at him and then stormed off. Man. Poor guy. We wish nothing but the best. Nothing but the best. Like Sarah said, we hope for a big comeback and you're welcome on the show at any point. 
Same with Brendan Fraser. Forget what I said. I was going to say about Brendan Fraser. I think, first of all, uh, as, uh, first of all, as Stu Miley, S. Miley. (laughs) Miley. Oh, I get it. Certainly something. Certainly a choice. I think his (laughs) acting, like, in the beginning is pretty good. Yeah. Like, I buy him. Also, like, I think Brendan Fraser is so unique. Like, from a woman's perspective, like, a leading man that isn't, like, an Adonis like, he mm. looks pretty average. I think that that was, like, really his sort of, like, way that he became so big is, like, he's accessible. You're not like, oh, you know, Tom Cruise, whatever, Brad Pitt. But it's like, okay, Brendan Fraser. Like, I could maybe get mm. a Brendan Fraser. So it yeah. kind of makes, like, the fantasy feel more real. He's a big old hunk, but he's also approachable. He, oh, he got, like, the he got the face early on. And what I mean by the face is something I noticed with actors where once they get a little comfortable and they make, start making some money, they start eating better and their face just gets a little wider and a little more full. Like you see it happen with like uh, Vince Vaughn got the face. Like, I don't think Vince like, Vaughn and Brendan Fraser have the same diet. I'm just going to go on the record. <laughs> <laughs> they, no, but, uh, but like, like, but you know what I mean? Like watching, we watched, we watched swingers like last week and, uh, Fucking Vince Vaughn is beautiful. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Like, in he's gorgeous. It's one of the best like star making roles I've ever yeah. seen. Mm. And then and then it cuts to like a few years later. And you're like, oh yeah, you've been uh, hitting the sushi spots. I wonder if it's <laughs> I, yeah. I, I wonder if it's more alcohol. It's than, beer. Uh, it's beer. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's beer. It's a lot of the, the same stuff. But you know I mean, what that's I mean? Like, the Affleck as well. But Brendan Fraser got that early. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. but it kind of works oh. for him. I don't but know. It like, yeah, it like, works for kind of like Yeah. I do. I mean, I think that is, like I said, his niceness comes through on the screen. I think that's what carries him. I'm just saying, like the movies in, and I, I'm I'm gonna go back and check some of these movies that uh, everyone seemed to recommend. But he reminds me of like <laughs> Will, Will Smith. Like every time I sit down to watch a Will Smith movie, I'm like, this stinks. And he again, he again more, seems like a great guy. Will Smith. I think that's more the movie than it is Will Smith. Because I, I think Will Smith's a good actor. Yeah, I do, I do not think he's a good actor. I, I love think he's, I Robot. Think he looks like a great guy who seems very nice and somebody you want to hang out with, but you, you can't watch that concussion movie and tell me that he's a good actor. Cause that's, that's uh, I am oof. legend is really good. He's really good oh, in men no. in black. Men, great in, men, in, men in, in black, black. Like 45 years ago. I mean, men that was like, uh, we, we didn't even have cars then. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? like, <laughs> men in black three is good. And that wasn't that long ago. Men in black three. I forget that they made a men in black three. Men in black three yeah. is, is really good. I, I, Sarah, you know, I love, I love your opinions on things. I cannot, I cannot get behind that one. (laughs) You're telling me, hold on a second. Have you seen the film? I have, I have seen the film. I do not form opinions uh, when they're not warranted. Is three Johnny Knoxville? No. Did they make a two? Yes. They, Black? Made, they did not yeah. jump straight to three. Wait, Man in Black 2 is Johnny Knoxville as the bad guy. Yes. Bad yes. Guy. Man in Number... Black 3 is, is um, Josh Brolin as yes. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's, and Michael it's the back in time one. is also in that film. They made four, right? Well, they made a With offshoot, Chris right? Hemsworth and... Yeah, the nobody yeah. Which I didn't see. I did not see that. Yeah. No, I didn't see it. I mean, I also don't like the first one. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to check out the Men in Blacks, but I will check out I Am Legend because I have I've also heard from other people who... A, whose opinions I respect and say it's good. but so, yeah. Something about me, and I think this connects to Monkey Bone, is a lot of times like I'm very forgiving of movies that aren't that great because the visuals are amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Like a lot of this is gonna really. I don't. I don't even want to say this out loud because I'm afraid <laughs> of the reaction oh good, that oh it's good, going oh to incite. Mm-hmm. But like even for me, like I like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, the first one, because it's visually very impressive to me. I don't think it's that bad either. But like these yeah. movies that I think people vehemently like hate. Like Monkey mm-hmm. Bone, I like tend to see all the like visual stuff and I'm like, that's really awesome. I don't know if that's just because like I, you know, draw or things like that. But I think there's, you know, a lot of times like movies get like shit canned because of like it's not great. But there's things in there like in yeah, Monkey sure. Bone where yeah. you're like, that's so valuable. I, I would have like to go when back you and were, watch. Oh, good. It's yeah, like when you were saying like it's it's a beautiful piece of shit. It's like it's like back in the dorm room. Uh, when the one guy who just eats uh, chicken teriyaki for every meal uh, for two months straight, he uh, takes a big old dump in the community bathroom who, who and like, this? and everyone just like ushers them over, just like you gotta see this, you gotta see this. <laughs> turn. Is this person's name Mevin Canwar? <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, his name does not rhyme with mine. It's definitely not me. Uh, I did like chicken teriyaki, but the story is not about me in any way. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's, uh, it's a gorgeous looking piece of shit and it is a piece of shit. Like it's, it's baffling. Uh, the, the, uh, visionary director was shit canned halfway through. And so whatever story he was going to weave together was instead just like handed off to Chris Columbus. And he's like, I don't know, I'll do a pass. I'll try to, I'll try to make this uh, salvageable. Um, but yeah, uh, it's 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 very bad. One one thing that was very confusing to me, uh, going back to Hypnos and uh, the reason that he was trapped, I didn't I didn't understand the game of that. Like because it was it was Stephen King, which uh, first of all he says that. Uh, he says that like this basically the same thing happened to him, but Cujo is the one who uh, who stole his ticket. That doesn't make sense. Monkey Bone can talk. Cujo was just a vicious dog. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But do you but, understand that like the people who were trapped were like the creators of writing nightmares? So right. That's why or, they were trapped. Okay. But also Attila the Hun. But yeah, like, that's where it got, I, I lost oh, the bet. Oh, yeah. Attila right. the Hun didn't make sense, but like Edgar Allan Poe, like it doesn't make sense that <laughs> they <a> would. <laughs> that it doesn't make sense that they would stop. Like with, with Brendan Fraser, uh, his girlfriend has nightmare juice. And so he stopped making nightmares <clears throat> because he went to Monkey Bone instead of like these surreal type things. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe like was crazy till his death. Like every, every, everyone else, like they would have kept making nightmares just fine. They didn't need to have someone step in. It don't yeah. make no sense. Yeah. It doesn't I thought sense. it, I thought it was, uh, I mean, I got that. That was a game of like these people, but I thought the actual Stephen King bit was remember when Steve, Stephen King was in a coma. Yeah. Oh, was that before or after that this car? though? I don't remember, but I was like, oh, that's kind of tacky if that's what it is. Like, Let me do it. No, but he was going to be in it and then couldn't be in it. Right. So I don't know. And they weren't making fun of him, but I want to actually want to fact check and see when that was. But then the joke that they had of Cujo taking over was so good <laughs> that they were like, fuck it. We'll get an impersonator. We can't lose this bit. The oh, bit 90, is too 99. good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what what a fun what a fun thing to revisit. Oh, yeah, that coma. Yeah, maybe... <laughs> 
Maybe the uh, crazy uh, <laughs> rabid dog did take over my body. Laugh out loud. Thanks, Henry. And I just uh, I just want to insert real quick uh, to go to your uh, teriyaki chicken debacle. Oh, gross. I, I, I went to college with a guy who ate nothing but Popeye's chicken for year <laughs> for like months and months and months. And he also went into a coma. Oh, not, no. Not because it was because of the chicken. No, it was definitely because of the chicken. <laughs> it was definitely because wow. of his diet. Salt. Yeah. And the, he, the doctor, he woke up and the doctor was like, if you eat Popeye's chicken again, you'll, you'll probably die. I would eat it. He ate it. Yeah, he it's definitely so good. went back to it. <laughs> Still alive today, you know. Well, but he wasn't gonna. But when they announced the chicken sandwich, yeah, that I know. Was, I know. It's it's so good. You can't escape it. People I remember too being excited. in college. Uh, speaking of pooping, uh, college stories and being oh, in great. the dorms, and I was still kind of like, still not great about pooping in, you know, not at home, but I'm like in college, so it's like, what are you gonna do? And I remember being like, I, this is what got me over this. Like that broke my mental. Like, oh, okay, uh, this is fine. I remember pooping in, like, the dorm, uh, in the bathrooms, and somebody, come, like, it was empty, and somebody sitting in the stall right next to me being like, God damn it, like, there's, like, five, like, what are you doing? And then just, <laughs> I just hear this dude take a big, like, fart and just, like, a plop, and he just goes, ah dropping thunder! <laughs> <laughs> And I started laughing, <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I guess that cured me. I'm fine now." <laughs> like, oh my god, that's the worst that's gonna happen ever. <laughs> Dropping thunder. I so so I'm sure all of us in preparation for this, we read the uh, IMDb page and like the trivia and stuff. I saw uh, there's a section called goofs. And it was the funniest goof because it just said, uh, and this is like, this is like a movie goof. Like they, they really messed this one up. It just says, Chris Kattan is in very poor shape for a gymnast. Yeah. I thought yeah. that I was like, his that, calves are so thin. That's so rude. Yeah. Like, like that's a problem with the movie. I was completely taken out. Uh, he looks like shit. I thought about that when he was like climbing up on the thing that like I was like his legs are so skinny. <laughs> and you know who looks like they could be a, an Olympic gymnast? Brendan Fraser. Mm. Again, again, just a uh, shot putter maybe. Yeah, or like uh, the 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 rings. Yeah. No, those dudes are all like five six and like. Oh, are they? He looks yeah. like yeah. he can do some curling, Max. Yeah, something make it yeah. something some fun. Curling. Uh, did you know that the guy who played Edgar Allan Poe is Edgar Allan Poe the fourth? Wow. No, that's sweet. Interesting. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Like, what else does he do? Nothing. <laughs> Tell people he's Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth. He wasn't even <laughs> in the Raven. He has like a long, like a long IMDb of like one-offs, but yeah, Man. good for him. Speaking of casting, uh, Roger Ebert, who we'll get to in a second, said something I thought quite pithy uh, in his review. He said. Downtown itself looks like the amusement park from or in hell. And there's a lot of Beetlejuice and the inspiration for the strange mm -hmm. characters, one-eyed and otherwise, who live there. But strangeness is not enough. There must also be humor. 
and characters who exist for some reason other than to look bizarre. That rule would include Whoopi Goldberg's death, who is sadly underwritten and played by Goldberg as if we're supposed to keep repeating, wow, look, death is being played by Whoopi Goldberg. It's a truth too often forgotten that casting a famous actor in a weird cameo is the setup of the joke, not the punchline. And that is exactly what I was thinking. She was just mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg. And then her head exploded. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's a thing that happens to death. Yeah. Uh, when uh, death gets mad, uh, they replace their head with a new porcelain head. Yeah. The casting in this movie is crazy. Giancarlo Esposito yes. always showing up and random ass things. Bob Odenkirk. He's the best part of this movie. The surgeon. Oh, man. As a surgeon. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That, that right. bit of them chasing the organs is pretty funny. It's a funny yeah. bit, but that like that is I think that's where I'm confused is it keeps going back. Like, I understand if this entire movie was animated, then you can have like a crazy real world version. When you set it up to be half animated, half live action, you want when Monkey Bone takes like when Monkey Bone goes into the real world, you want the real world to be normal. So that way it has an impact. But like the the real world is just as much a cartoon as downtown there's nothing uh, there's nothing but uh just like there's no reality anywhere so like you're not surprised when like brendan fraser's acting kooky it's just like well yeah i mean they're harvesting organs over there and getting <laughs> they're getting in screaming matches with like bodies who come to life like yeah. there's no like oh my god they're just like that's my organ yeah yeah, I think it's okay. a good time to uh, let's let's start doing reviews. All right, let's go to reviews. The <laughs> aforementioned Roger Ebert gave this film one and a half stars. He wrote, "A character played by Brendan Fraser spends half of Monkey Bone on life support, and so does the movie. Both try to stay alive with injections of nightmare juice." The movie labors hard, the special effects are admirable, no expense has been spared, and yet the movie never takes off. It's a bright idea the filmmakers were unable to breathe life into. Fair. Mm-hmm. Fair. Very fair. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that that's Raj for you. And now we have our herald, heralded segment... Everyone's a critic. Patsy D gave this film one star. She wrote, Overall, the story was imaginative and interesting, but at points confusing and contrived, especially the part about the distribution of the nightmare juice, a concoction used to give humans nightmares and provides the people who live downtown with some entertainment. Why? I don't know. I guess people in comas and the figments and stews imagination have nothing better to do than watch other people's nightmares. Right. Whatever. I thought it was a little raunchy for its PG-13 rating. Most of the jokes are too sexual. Too bad it was a cute story. Watch it when the kids are asleep. Patsy D also gave five stars to Markel Fultz, Philadelphia 76ers blue youth road replica jersey. Great price. Excellent quality and amazing price. I was impressed with the little stitching details. I assume the cost was low since the dude is no longer on the team. But but my son wanted a blue Sixers jersey, and this was perfect. Oh, my God, that poor kid. (laughs) That poor kid. 
get the guy that had like a breakdown and forgot how to play basketball yeah he was injured for half of his time with the 76ers he was a first overall pick and so was nothing but a disappointment got traded away and this kid's like you're somebody's mom being like i got you a celtics jersey it's len bias yeah (laughs) there's a lot on sale now uh we also have grimmy who by the way is part of the vine voice program I didn't realize Amazon uh, now has a program where to their like big, uh, their big consumers, their or their best uh, reviewers, they send free products to them uh, to elicit reviews. Wow! Yeah, Ooh. get in on that. Yeah, so yeah, some trash. Yeah, Grimmy gave this one star. Disappointing. You already have an idea of what the movie's about, so here's my take on it. It was all set for some weird, wacky humor. I thought this might fit the bill, even though it was panned by critics. Those critics, they have a stroke if the movie doesn't have some deep, hidden reference to post-Jungian, etc., etc. Well, this time they were right. Uh, (laughs) But they didn't have the boner. Uh... Uh, Grimmy also gave five stars to stylish four-gallon trash bags. Nice little bags. These little bags are so cute and attractive, it seems almost a shame to use them for trash. But whatever the use, it always brings a little bit of joy to see the nice colors these bags come in. They seem to work well and are strong enough for most of our uses. I got to get these little bags. You got to get these little bags. (laughs) And for most of your uses, how many bags broke? Yeah. And still got five stars. Yeah. Uh, lastly, we have Dr. Funk. Dr. Funk. He sounds like he may like it. Yeah. Could, could be a she. Women can be That's doctors. True. Sorry. Oh, she, she said women could be into funk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Funk gave one star, said one of the worst films of the last 20 years. This is no joke. The plot is very original and the special effects are cool, but the jokes all fail badly. Badly with jerking off jokes like, excuse me, I have to go choke my monkey. This is a film that falls short in laughs, and I mean that. Uh, This arbiter of comedy gave five stars to Once Bitten, a terrifying comedy of epic proportions. First off... If anyone tells you this movie sucks, they're right and wrong. How can this be, you might ask? Well, the movie's not bad, but there is sucking. Next sucking, that is. It's Jim Carrey at his best. You'll laugh, you'll scream, you'll watch it again once it's over. Now that is how you write a joke. Yeah. They, they also gave five stars to The Mighty Ducks. Uh, and said, The Mighty Ducks is pretty mighty on my list of top 10 movies. It's Emilio at his best. Forget about The Breakfast Club and Young Guns. This movie is the bee's knees. It has get family laughs. I'm happy they did not include the subplot in which one of the boys gets molested by their old coach. So go get it and have some fun. What? For the book from the... Huh? <laughs> the graphic novel of the Mighty, Mighty Ducks, Ducks is really dark. It's really dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really pick up on the subtext once Disney got a hold of it, and that—that's uh, my point. These directors are being stifled. They have a dark, <laughs> gritty vision, and they're always being reined in from their genius. 
How much do you think that the uh, musical number was uh, forced by the studios? Which like, one? Oh like yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. The ending, like Brick House. Do you think that was Brick like, House? All, like, like yeah, yeah, the script's yeah. fine, but like we need a musical number. Because do you remember there was a uh, um, a moment in movies, and this was really like female centric movies, where they were going to sing. They were going to lip sync to Ain't No Mountain High Enough or something. It was like Stepmom. It was like all these movies in a row. It was like get a kitchen utensil and they're just going <laughs> to sing for a minute. Yeah. So yeah, I would say absolutely. And even even if not singing, there definitely would be like a strong song. They're, they don't really do those song music, vi- the music videos with the movie scenes anymore. Yeah. But yeah. like, I, you know, I was thinking about another fabulous movie, Agree or Disagree, Mystery okay. Men. And how, like, so much of that movie, like, because, like, that and this movie seem sort of related in terms of, like, aesthetics, uh, where it's just sort of, like, that 90s weird shininess. Big, Uh, bold colors. Yeah, just inventive world. And, like, and that, that, uh, I I feel like Mystery Men uh, was just from the wrong time because it was, it it was parodying. It it was, like, it was, it was parroting movies that weren't yet popular to uh-huh. for the audience to understand like what they were spoofing. Well, yeah. well we were just having this conversation because it just went on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if this movie's better now. So good. I because... worked with that director. This is oh. it's one of the, the, the toughest uh, moments of my life. I worked with that director, uh, Kinka Usher is his name. It's the only movie he's ever made. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, big... once you've done that. Yeah. Yeah. He like, hated it. He hated the whole process. And wow. uh, he, he's like the he's one of the biggest commercial directors in the world. He's been working for like 30 years. Uh, but we, we talked about the movie and I was like, I really enjoyed that movie. And he was a super nice guy. And uh, I ended up getting cut out of this Pepsi commercial and Ooh. losing about $80,000. Sure. Yeah. asked about mystery men. Yeah. Sure. And asked. tough, tough. And then so, so much just to show how tough this industry is. That, that commercial ran for about a year. Um, I was watching a Cleveland Browns football game when they were really bad. And they kicked a field goal to win this particular game at the last second. And I was so happy. And they cut right to that Pepsi commercial. And it was quite a ride. <laughs> like it yeah. was running an, a year later. Um, yeah, it was tough. But I was going to say like how All-Star was like such an integral part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like yeah. very like interconnected with the song, and I think that mm-hmm. was just a thing like in the late '90s to have like a song super connected to the movie. Yeah, is All Star in Mystery, Mystery Men? Men? Yeah, mm-hmm. they play it like it, six times. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so f- I I associate that song with fucking Shrek. Shrek. Everyone yeah, does. Mystery Men. Yeah. Shrek. Shrek took that title shrek had a lot of shrek also took i'm a believer you know they just can't have they got too many songs in that movie yeah but to to this day i cannot hear foxy lady and not think about brendan Fraser's crotch in sweatpants (laughs) oh that's still garth for me Uh, Classic. Uh, we need to, we should we need to do that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, should we head on yeah. down to Pop Corner? Yeah, Pop Corner. Mm-hmm. Sarah, this Tippity will make perfect pop, sense after pop we corner. Uh, after the three pop, of us pop. give our popcorn related reviews. Poppity pop pop. All right, I'm gonna give this like 
I have a cool bowling shirt on, you know, like my hair's all slicked back and I'm listening to uh, Reverend Horton Heat and um, <laughs> I have a wallet chain and I'm at like a the Sam Goody that I don't know is about to be closed in a few years and I'm at the register and um, some hip chick comes in. I'm like, hey, hip chick. And she's like, do you, do you want to go out to dinner? I was like, I do something even better. And I pull out from my pocket a, a bunch of wet popcorn. That's my review of this movie. A handful <laughs> of wet popcorn as I wear a cool bowling shirt and a Sam Goody. Uh, I give I give this film. Um, I'm sitting with my family. We're all crowded together. Um, there, there are a, a hundred of, of us or so, and we're in a big container and we, we feel this, this giant hand, uh, take us from this container and open this big contraption and then shut it on us. And all we can see is just this, uh, uh, just sort of like foggy window and we're looking through it. Um, and all of a sudden it starts to get very hot. It gets too hot. There's a light on and we're feeling the heat inside of us. And, and my God, I just exploded. I'm, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm going to give this, uh, you are at the movie theater and you buy a bag of popcorn and you sit down to watch the movie. And you know, it's like, you eat a little bit and then you kind of put the popcorn bag down. You're like, I wasn't really into popcorn. And then you have sat for an hour and a half to two hour movie and you're getting up to leave. And you, that you have that, uh, you like that thing of like, should I take this home with me or should I just like, was this just a waste of eight fifty? Like, and then you're just kind of, and everyone's filing out behind you and they're like, Oh man, uh, uh, Tom Cruise was so great in this. Can you believe he's still running that fast at 79 years old? And you're like, well, let me try it. And like the butter has just whittled everything. So now you're just picking up like greasy kernels and you just kind of throw the bag away on your way out. <laughs> okay. My review is that uh, I've been sick in bed for a week. I'm having like sweats. I'm having fever dreams. Like I'm dreaming about squares, but it's really unsettling for some reason. And I don't know why. It's like the scariest dream about squares. Uh, And then I finally, like after like four days of being sick in bed, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I can eat. Like I've only been eating toast. I've only been eating water. Like let me have something a little bit more substantial. I go to the cabinet. I pull out. Not popcorn, but a bag of Cracker Jacks that must have been like in a gift bag from like a party, <laughs> like maybe like someone got it like at a, at a at a baseball game, brought it home, was like, I didn't eat my Cracker Jacks. So I open them up. I'm eating the Cracker Jacks. They're very stale. In the bottom is like a tattoo of a clown. i like try and put the clown tattoo on but like it doesn't really work because it's so old um and then i just throw out the rest of the cracker jacks wow nice that's a that's a fitting review they don't even put a gift in there anymore do they no it sucks there's no no toys no now they're fucking virtual like yeah it's like scan this qr code for a virtual thing i'm like 
Fuck you, Cracker Jacks. Cancel culture. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. Why aren't we changing Cracker? Oh. Yeah, it should be. Mm, Why right. shouldn't we? Mm. Yeah. Where, where's Cracker yeah. Jill? Exactly. Where's she? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, well, snack politics aside, uh, this has been a fabulous episode, and so much of that is due to our effervescent guest, Sarah Rubin. You're a dream. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where, uh, where can we find your work that I personally, Kevin Man Warren, enjoy quite a bit? Oh, thank you. Uh, I have a website. It's called somesarahrubin.com. There's no H on my name. It's just Sarah. Um, so that's where you can find me. And I'm on Twitter at Sweetest Sarah. Again, no H. Uh, I, you know, I post opinions about films oh, sometimes. Nice. Well, yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone go check out her stuff because she makes uh, beautiful, beautiful pictures uh, that uh, and she sells prints and quite quite honestly I haven't seen your dingy apartments but it would probably class up the joint a little bit mm-hmm. uh, to all of our <laughs> listeners uh, so yeah we, we've been the cable boys uh, go ahead and subscribe if you don't already uh, go to Instagram uh, we also do Twitch streams on Wednesdays at 6 at that, cable that run boys for a Pod. long time if you, they, yeah. if you forget to stop the stream uh so so if you did you yeah i forgot to hit stop it's like it's like three hours of uh just our our end title card yeah so if you like uh one hour of content followed by three hours of the same three songs looped over again uh with blackness uh this is the twitch stream for you uh but yeah uh anyone have anything to say thank you so much thank you thanks for having me Thank you, Sarah. Uh, But yeah, to all of our uh, listeners, uh, eat shit, die, stay tuned, and bye.